Welcome to episode two of Informed Aging, a podcast about health, help, and hard decisions for older adults. I'm Robin Roundtree. I work for Senior Helpers, servicing Orange, Osceola, and Seminole counties in Central Florida. In addition to working in the senior care industry, I spent six years as a family caregiver. And with me is my co-host, Edith Gendron. She is the Chief of Operations for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center with nearly 30 years of service to elders. She's also a Positive Approach to Care certified trainer and a former family caregiver. We decided to start this podcast because of all the things we've learned at our jobs and in our lives that most older adults don't know but they need to know. So today we're diving into a disease that's all around us and very much feared, Alzheimer's disease. A new drug has been approved for the disease. It comes with a high price tag and lots of controversy. And we're also gonna check into a simple blood test in the works to diagnose Alzheimer's disease. Our guest, Jessica Branning, the CEO and founder of ClinCloud, is gonna help us sort out all the latest news after this short message. For over 35 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, ADRC, has served as a Central Florida-based grassroots nonprofit and community resource center. They are dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for a loved one with some form of dementia. ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, and programs to help them prepare for and cope with the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit the website adrccares.org. And we're back. Welcome to Informed Aging. With us is Jessica Branning, CEO and founder of ClinCloud Clinical Trials. So you definitely know about research into Alzheimer's. And Alzheimer's, um, I talk to people and unfortunately people are like, if I ever get that, it's just done for me. So for a disease to inspire someone to think about killing themselves, that's something pretty frightening. But there is reason to be frightened, right, Edith? Yes, there is reason to be frightened, but I absolutely have to follow it quickly by saying there's also reason to seek joy. Yes. Uh, you know, I was heavily affected by Dr. Bill Thomas out of New York. He's changing aging. And I was at a conference that he uh, was the keynote speaker at years ago. I think it was 1999. And he said this, just imagine if instead of being the tragedy of old age, Alzheimer's disease was the gift, the promise. Mm. And the whole room looked at him like he'd lost his mind. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking for the gift, the joy, since then, and it's there. Absolutely. Just my side note of taking care of my mom, I, I was so proud that I could bring so much joy to her life. You just get past how she used to be and focus on how she is now. And she was a huge sports fan, and she never had to watch her team lose a game because they would be taken right off the DVR. So there's a silver lining to everything, including dementia. So no longer think of it as something horrible. You need to escape the earth to get away from it. It is not that at all. So thank you for bringing that up. But uh, it is a growing disease. It is indeed. Throw some numbers at me. Okay. Are you ready? I am. Here we go. 
There's uh, about 6 million people in the United States today who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or other form of dementia. Here in Florida, there's about 560,000 with Alzheimer's disease alone. And again, I'm stressing diagnosed because that includes those who have been through the um, neuropsychiatric process, Mm. not those who have not been seen. So keep that in mind. What um, can give us pause are a couple of other statistics. Um, For caregivers, they represent $11 million in unpaid care. Mm. So, and when I say caregivers in this context, I mean you, Robin, right. uh, from year, you know, a few years ago, and people who are not paid to care um, carefully and fully for their person. Um, there's another sobering statistic. Uh, between the years of 2013 and 2017, there was a 131% increase in, wow. di- yeah, in diagnosing young-onset Alzheimer's disease. Oh, And that is in the category of 30 to 64-year-olds. Within that group, there's been an 83% increase in diagnosing young onset between 30 and 44-year-olds. Wow, that hits home. Yeah, yeah, it's frightening, isn't it, in some ways? Yeah. Um, And we know, or I hope we all know by now, that women are at the greatest risk and the group at the greatest risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. They're leading the way, unfortunately, are African-Americans. Really? Yes, yes. Wow. And so, of course, with clinical research that we're hoping to learn more and more and more about, hopefully that could provide some answers in the coming years about why that is and if anything could be stopped. So, all right, now we've got the the scary facts. Jessica, explain to us, again, you're with ClinCloud Clinical Trials, and you definitely focus on dementia. Give us the layman's definition of Alzheimer's and what's happening in the brain. Absolutely. So, so when an individual begins to uh, have Alzheimer's disease, basically what's happening is there's these little plaques that start to develop from proteins known as amyloid proteins. Okay, And what they're doing is creating a traffic jam in the brain. So these little plaques or these little proteins are deposited in between our neurons. So it's kind of like us trying to get off I-4. We've got one car, then another car, then another car as we're trying to get off the exit. Mm. And when we have something blocking our neurons, uh, which are the key things that talk to one another in order for us to recall memories, having something physically blocking their ability to talk to one another, it doesn't allow for the memory to be recalled. And that's when we start having the memory deficits take place. Now there's this other protein uh, that we're learning through research also is a biomarker associated with Alzheimer's disease. And this is the tau protein. Now instead of the protein being outside of the neuron, like the amyloid protein Mm -hmm. or the amyloid plaques, the tau protein creates these tangles inside of the neurons. So it's almost like it's winter time, holidays are coming, you're starting to decorate for the holidays, you're getting all your Christmas lights out, and what do we see? It's a tangled mess, right? And Mm. that's basically what's happening inside of the neurons. It's a tangled mess with these uh, tau tangles that aren't allowing for the neuron to once again communicate appropriately within the brain. And that's when we start to have memory problems. Now, both of these proteins, though, they start to develop 15 to 20 years before you even show the first signs of having memory problems. So 
that's a huge thing that we have to be very mindful of. All right, so that's kind of what's happening in the brain, and that's incredibly scary that it's happening decades before we start to see symptoms. So I'm a little scared. (laughs) And understandably so, right? Uh, But that's one of the beautiful things that research is starting to present to our communities at large is the movement towards prevention and the way that we're able to prevent and or early detect Alzheimer's disease is through great um, diagnostic tools uh, such as a PET scan, an MRI, and we've even recently uncovered that a simple blood test would be able to detect these amyloid proteins and tau proteins years before you start having memory problems. And that's really where we are today with research is being proactive about your brain health, just like we're proactive about going and getting a mammogram done. You know, females go and they do that on an annual basis Mm -hmm. to learn if they're at risk for breast cancer. We need to start taking those same approaches towards our brain health. And that's what's exciting right now in the research world of being proactive about uh, learning if you're at risk for Alzheimer's disease and getting the appropriate diagnostics done or the workup done to see if it's something that you need to be concerned about. All right, Edith, I know you are passionate about prevention. So we don't have a cure, but we know there are some things to help prevent Alzheimer's, am I right? Yes, there is. We um, at ADRC, we've actually put together a program. We call it CORE right now, Mm -hmm. uh, Controlling Our Risk Every Day controlling our risk of what? Developing Alzheimer's disease. And it is all rooted in science. Um, Science that primarily is coming out of Loma Linda, California. It's one of our blue zones. And we'll talk about that another day. Okay. Blue zones is a good thing to Google if you're not familiar with it. And there are actual proactive steps we can take for our brain health. And they don't cost anything. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. Come on, give me a few. You're dying to. Um, I'm di- you know I am. You know I am. Um, in particular, and this is this isn't a few. This is uh, you know down okay. the rabbit hole. What you put in your mouth matters. Mm. I can't stress that enough. If you're going to do one thing today, stop eating donuts. Okay, just stop okay. eating donuts. Get rid of the donuts. Right, just and the soda. Okay, and the sugar. And and I'll stop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sleep, sleep is very important. Um, and you know, I'm going to say exercise. And exercise, I very gently define as move your body more. Move okay. your body more. Um, you need to get restorative sleep because, as Jessica explained, what's going on in the brain that is interfered with through restorative sleep. So that's important to know. Wow. Um, meditation is very important. Some people pray for meditation. It's a viable form. Mm-hmm. Other people engage in meditation. We have three options for you to do that okay. through ADRC at no charge. And um, anyway, all that to say, there are you've, you're in control here. There are okay. things we can do that can make a real difference with right. the science behind it. So it's not coconut oil in the middle of the forehead, but a light of the moon. <laughs> But I've tried that, so yeah. it didn't work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't well, moisturize my skin a little I was bit. Say, yeah, you put you put coconut oil on your body. Try not to put it in your body. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it it's a scary. We know it's a scary disease. It's not the end of the world. There's still joy to be found. There are things you can do to prevent it. Now, once you have it, there's no cure, right? There's no cure. No. Can you slow it down? Uh, in terms of what treatments are out there right now. So no treatment out there right now is saying, I'm going to cure 
Alzheimer's right. disease. Now, there are some treatments like Aricept and Memantine that help to treat the symptoms of memory loss, for instance, but only for a certain period of time, right? Okay. It's not actually targeting those amyloid plaques in the brain or those tau tangles in particular. So when an individual gets started on those medications, you know, there's a period of time where, you know, memories might be okay, but then it kind of plateaus and it's pretty similar to a lot of medications that are out there. Now, there is this new medication, aducanumab, that has just recently come out. It is not a cure for Alzheimer's disease, but the way that it functions is it's trying to target the the amyloid plaques. So it's approaching the disease a little bit differently than the medications um, that we've recently seen. Uh, So that's one aspect. And it's a positive aspect in, in the note that it's looking at research and it's looking at certain biomarkers towards the disease and trying to remove them or prevent the onset of the amyloid plaque. So that is, that's a positive step in the right direction for research in this disease. But there's been controversy. And I don't usually hear about controversy with a new drug. It's usually, yay, this is wonderful. So what, what is the downside that we're hearing? So I think the the biggest downsize, down, downside um, is really the cost. I think that's one of the the, the biggest aspects is that it, it is a very pricey um, new drug that has just come out on the market. Um, and it's something that is attributing to years and years and years of, of research that has been done in order to identify a, a new drug. Um, and it's not a cure. Right. I mean, I think that's the other thing that was the big hype that a Mm. lot of people had is they thought this was going to be a cure for the disease and it's not. But it, it could help slow things down. And that's one of the big things I want everybody to to just take that away, too, is it could potentially help slow down the progression or it might help plateau somebody so that the progression of the disease isn't as severe um, as as if you potentially weren't taking the treatment. So, um, but yes, there there is a lot of controversy around this drug. And you know your clinical research because you founded a company that does just that and you focus on dementia. So is it a home run drug that's going to work for everybody? No. 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 I mean, as I mentioned, there's two proteins that we just know about right now. Um, who knows, through more research, we might uncover other contributing factors that are causing the disease itself. So I don't think it's just like cancer. You're not going to necessarily find one drug that's going to cure all different types of cancer. Got it. You're not going to have one drug that's going to cure Alzheimer's disease for everybody, right? Because some might genetically be at risk. So maybe we need to look at a medication for, for those individuals. Some individuals might have other comorbidities like diabetes, hypertension, uh, high cholesterol. Uh, so this is more metabolic syndromes that they're having that's causing inflammation in the brain. So maybe we need to target the inflammation in the brain that's contributing to the development of these amyloid plaques. So the answer is I don't think we're going to find one drug that's going to cure it all. I think we have a lot more research to do, um, but I think we've collected a lot of valuable information over these last several years um, that is putting us in, in a positive direction. Jessica, I think you made a really good um, correlation between Alzheimer's disease or the dementia-related illnesses and cancer because I think people don't quite understand that the diseases of dementia 
are as comprehensive and varied as are the cancers. Mm -hmm. When we talk about Alzheimer's disease, we have three known types right now, and who knows how many variations. You know, there's one hippocampal sparing, right? That is, and it's just exactly what it sounds like. It spares the hippocampus Mm. where Alzheimer's disease is thought to start, and it can be very confusing to try to diagnose that. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, while you're diagnosing that or trying to treat that, something else is going on. Same thing for young onset. Depending on who you talk to, on what source you cite, there's anywhere from 100 different types of dementia-related illnesses on up. Wow. So when we say it's, you know, it's like cancer in the sense of trying to pinpoint and cure one aspect, it's, that's that's a fair um, correlation to it. So yeah, You know, I, I'm a huge believer that there's different types of Alzheimer's disease, yeah. just based yes. on an individual's clinical and genetic profile alone and, you know, and socioeconomic profiles as well. I mean, that's a, that's a big, a big correlation as well. Um, so I think there's a lot more that we have to do in order to research and better understand perhaps the different types of Alzheimer's disease and the different types of dementias that are out there so that we can be more effective at, at treating and preventing. Okay, so how are you feeling um, with the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, Edith? Are people calling about this new drug? They, they are. We yes. and we actually had um, a couple of our dyads, which is my my term for care partners and person living with the illness, who uh, participated in earlier studies. Of oh. this. So um, when it first when the news first broke, yeah, the phones were ringing off the hook, right? And we, and we told them that we didn't know any more than they did at that mm. point. So um, uh, all we know now, and I think um, Jessica is better to speak at this, is that there's two ways. My understanding is of obtaining it. One is through um, infusion centers, and that is where the cost is associated. And it's a high cost, my understanding, again, is about $60,000 a year. Wow. Or um, if you qualify to participate again in a phase four clinical trial, and then you have the newest iteration of the medicine under the care of that whole team. And it is a comprehensive team, from medical director right straight through to the clinicians that you work with. So. So are you getting calls <laughs> saying, oh, yes. Cling Cloud, get me in on this new drug? <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we, we get calls every day inquiring mm-hmm. about it. And, and to elaborate a little bit more on what Edith has said, one, when you do go to these infusion centers, uh, you do have to get a prescription, right? And you can get the prescription, generally speaking, from a neurologist or a geriatrician okay. um, that can actually prescribe um, the, the medications. And then you go to an infusion center in order to um, receive it, essentially. Uh, and then in regards to the clinical trial aspect, one of the other key things that uh, I, I have not highlighted, and I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought it up, that this is another way that individuals can get this medication, and I might add other medications similar to this drug class through clinical trials, is it's at no cost, and no insurance is involved when you do participate in a clinical research study. So that's another wonderful thing for patients and for their caregivers, uh, too, is that there isn't that hefty price tag that would be associated when you do obtain a medication or treatment, rather, through a clinical study. Okay. So let's talk about diagnosis for a moment. It is not a quick and easy diagnosis of dementia. There are a lot of doctor's appointments and like a PET scan, MRI, Mm -hmm. which um, 
is frustrating, not only for the family, but people are calling me, mom and dad are getting a little bit of care. I am seeing that there's a need for more care, but they're not willing to move ahead until they have that official diagnosis Mm -hmm. because every family member seems to go into denial. I did it myself. I see it all the time. We don't want to hear that diagnosis. So would you say it's at least a month of test and that sort of thing to get a diagnosis? Well, it, it depends on how you're getting it, mm. right? So in a traditional sense, uh, what we find is an individual starting to have memory problems. They generally will talk to their primary care doctor first. Hey, I'm, I'm starting to have some concerns. They might do a, a memory assessment. And then they have to get connected to either a neuropsych um, or go to a neuro- neuropsychologist for an evaluation or go to a neurologist. Sometimes that right length of time to get in to see those yes. healthcare professionals might be you know one month to six months in order to mm. get in and then once you're there they have to do their evaluation and then that's when you go into the imaging aspect of what could this be however in a clinical trial standpoint i say this because the length of time is reduced significantly so for instance at ClinCloud, we're doing a purely diagnostic study where you come in, you get a memory test conducted, uh, you also get the, the blood tests conducted as well, and then within a month's time or shorter, you're going to get an amyloid PET scan done. Wow. And the amyloid PET scan is is the hallmark right now, um, and it, it generally costs $5,000 if you're trying to get it out of pocket or, or wow. anything along those lines, and you get it at no cost. But you're being proactive about your brain, right? Mm-hmm. You can have memory concerns or not have memory concerns to learn to see if you have the amyloid plaques that are starting to develop. And then from there, that's when you can start having conversations, and we can start having conversations with your healthcare providers to say, all right, well, it's looking like the amyloid plaques are, are present. Um, and then we can have discussions with healthcare providers to help streamline that diagnosis process. That's amazing. It, it is. Yeah. So if you're starting to think mom or dad may have that, instead of going the traditional physician route, mm-hmm. come to ClinCloud, get that early memory screening. Mm-hmm. And if it looks like there's something there, you're going to get an answer a lot quicker. Yep. And it's not even tied to a treatment study. So even if you're concerned, you're not sure if you want to do a treatment, you don't even have to do the treatment. You wow. Know, you can come in, get your memory testing done, get your PET scan, get your results. Well, thank you for that. That's amazing. <laughs> so tell me about this blood test. That's, uh, I mean, considering all that we would have to go to before, mm-hmm. is this just added to it or is this just a quick and easy? It, it, it's, it's a quick and easy uh, blood test. So it's just like uh, you're going to get your chemistry uh, panel done. Okay. Right? We're going to check out your cholesterol. That's essentially what it is. It's like a brain panel that you're that you're okay. getting done um you can you still have to get it through healthcare providers or you can get it through a, a clinical trial as well um but it's pre-activity is the is the name of of the um company um that's is actually utilizing the, the blood test itself but it's it's that simple and it, wow. I, you, you would think that it would be a little bit more complex, but it's really not. And it's looking at the quantity of the amyloid proteins and the tau proteins in the bloodstream. Now, is that going to test for all of these dementias that we talked about or just Alzheimer's? 
I believe it's going to test just for Alzheimer's disease okay. because it's looking specifically at the amyloid plaque, the beta amyloid buildup. Okay. Okay. But that's that's great to know, and it's encouraging that science has taken a big step like that. I mean, it's huge. I right. Mean, one, there's a less of an expense, you know, if, if you're trying to get an MRI or PET scans or what have you done, and it's an easier way, again, going back to prevention and being proactive about your brain health. So it's okay. great. It's important, I think, to note in this context that Alzheimer's disease is the most prevalent form of a Mm dementia-related illness, so that's why the focus is there. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to note that um, through ClinCloud, they have a virtual memory screening called Memoirs. And it's not just, you know, tune into YouTube. It is you're you're followed by a professional. You're with a professional during that whole... um, screening. Okay. (laughs) All right. So where do they find this test? Uh, So they can go to our website. Um, It's www.clincloudresearch.com. And you can click on the memoirs application, fill out everything, and then schedule an appointment. And you'll be connected with one of our mental health counselors or social workers who will be able to conduct the memory screenings. That's amazing. Mm You ladies are so full of knowledge. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Again, Jessica Branning, CEO and founder of ClinCloud Clinical Trials, and Edith with the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center in Central Florida. I'm Robin Roundtree. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, Informed Aging. Tell your family and friends about us. Uh, This episode has been recorded at Digital Broadcasting Company Podcast Studio. If you need to reach us, email us informed aging podcast at gmail.com it's been a pleasure looking forward to our next visit